I'm your host, Dave C., and you're listening to Never Isolated, a show hosted here on TalkShoe, and the show ID is 7910667, and you're most welcome. Welcome indeed, welcome indeed to uh, uh, a further episode of Never Isolated podcast hosted here on TalkShoe by myself, Dave C., and we're talking about the worldwide pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19 uh, specifically as it relates to people based in the UK and in England indeed, but we do cover what's happening around the world. Um, we do this, um, well, I've been doing it up to five times during the week, but we're, we're slowing down somewhat. Um, we did um, one of our lonesome quizzes at the weekend, but the very last episode that we did was episode uh, 95, and that was on the uh, uh, was that Tuesday? Tuesday of this week, indeed. That was on Tuesday, the 21st of July, 2020. Never isolated, trying to get ahead. Well, we we took a break yesterday. I actually had to go out and get some urgent uh, supplies as I'm not particularly self-isolating completely, but I am trying to only go out for uh, important things and only just in the last couple of weeks being able to go and visit um, uh, family um, and so to that end yesterday there was no episode so uh, you haven't missed one from Tuesday this is episode 96 today which is Thursday the 23rd of July 2020 and the strap line for today is has the blame game started yes a brief roundup of news and then has the blame game started and that will be a, a sort of a, a little bit of an opinion piece from me but not a blame game Hopefully not a blame game, although I'm sure um, there are uh, lessons, many lessons to be learned. If ever such a fate befalls uh, the worldwide community um, in the future, and that seems a not unlikely scenario, uh, whether that be in five years, ten years, or somewhere down the line. But um, to uh, get to start at the beginning for once. Uh, let's just um, me play in a little clip and then we'll get to some of the basic facts that needed updating, uh, having not done an episode yesterday. This is Never Isolated podcast here on TalkShoe. And please remember, we have a Twitter account, Never Isolated, all one word. Show ID is 7910667. OK, well, indeed, um, the actual uh, new stats each day are not necessarily broadcast in every case, certainly on the BBC News that you go to. Now, there is on um, the um, in the UK a dedicated BBC News channel, as opposed to BBC One having their news. But if you go there, the BBC News channel, um, I think on my uh, uh, satellite system, that's uh, uh, number 200. Uh, and of course, it's got a different number again on Freeview. But if you go to that, uh, there are a number of factors that might make it worthwhile if you're seeking out news to go and watch it. Because often the actual news will be in a slightly reduced window of the uh, TV screen size. Sometimes it will have uh, somebody signing, especially at late at night. It will have a signer if you're having uh, uh, if you need that service to understand what's going on. But also along the strap line, along the bottom, it will always have um, 
updates and little snippets of information that um, often they are not copied on the main news, but uh, alongside those pieces of information is often uh, some of the more relevant stats. So let me just mention here in the UK, uh, as reported yesterday, um, up to the early A, and well, to the late morning yesterday, <clears throat> the total new deaths in the whole of the UK together were 79. Uh, and we have had lower numbers of that uh, on the Mondays and Tuesdays. I think it was 27 uh, on one and as little as 12 on another date. Uh, that was towards, may have been the end of last week. But unfortunately, 79 new deaths recorded, bringing the total up to 45,501. And we're hoping that today, those stats won't be a greatest number of 79, but they feasibly could be as we are in the middle of the week. So we could be looking at a number getting towards 45,600, hopefully not. The number for infections around the worldwide have um, gone over 15 million cases with sadly more than 622,000 deaths. Now, it seems to have gone up 100,000 in fairly short order. It was going up uh, less than, um, uh, well, it was going up in smaller increments, it would seem, but it may well be that the reporting is coming in from uh, other far-flung countries, far-flung indeed from the UK, <laughs> they're not far-flung themselves, Presumably, we are far flung to them, but um, the cases do seem to rise. And it does seem from a number of reports I've read that, you know, we're still firmly in many countries in the middle of this pandemic, which is a very difficult thing to grasp. I know some countries are trying to get back to normal and other countries are are still gearing up, still getting in place their their um, contingency plans. <clears throat> and um, that's one thing why I wanted to talk about um, uh, and have a sort of an opinion piece in the second half of today's chat. Um, if anybody does join me in the room, there's just me at the moment. This is, of course, done live here on TalkShoe. Um, I won't be unmuting them as we're in sort of a, a moderator mode um, and um, I'm trying to sort of give out this information that I can. And I do consult with the BBC online news site. <clears throat> Just reading small snippets, there's an awful lot more there. I'm just going to pick out some highlights. I'm going to actually read them uh, verbatim <clears throat> as I took little notes uh, with not doing a show yesterday. And there's quite a number of them. So please forgive me the, the the briefness and lack of explanation to these uh, but we will go to the um, bbc.co.uk uh, news live world section uh, before we end the news part of today's call so um, driving tests restart in England with safety measures learner drivers in the UK previously told us they were feeling anxious for tests to restart and now they finally have done in some cases. Now, indeed, one of the things that the new rules will be with the driving test, apparently, is that if a person is taking the driver test and at some point before the end of the test, they make a sufficient mistake 
that the instructor, the examiner knows they would not get a pass. For instance, and I failed on my first time. Yeah, but a disclosure there. I passed on my second time. And what happened was, um, yeah, and I can still remember it. And it's, you know, donkeys years ago. It's, uh, oh my goodness me, nearly 50 odd years ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm that old. And um, I was, it was in a place called Oldham, which is near Manchester. A very, very busy traffic it was indeed. But I was following a car in front of me. The car in front of me went over a zebra crossing. But it didn't, and by the way, we didn't, I don't think we had the zigzag lines on the side of a zebra crossing. For people not based in the UK, that's a special walkway uh, where cars have to give away for people crossing. Sometimes they have special lights on them. Sometimes they're called pelican crossings and so on. But the basic zebra crossing, the car in front of me moved across. And as it moved across, I followed him. But he didn't move far enough beyond the um, zebra crossing. He didn't move two car lengths beyond it, which meant I came to a halt with half of the car on the zebra crossing. Uh, that was an immediate fail, apparently, but I didn't know that until I got to the end of the test and I was doing all my three-point turns, turning around, um, you know, uh, reversing around a corner, doing a hill start and so on. But I had in the mind of the examiner already made um, an error that would uh, be something that would... Uh, fail me. There are some minor ones that you can do that maybe if you do three minor ones, they add up to a fail. But there are some things that if you do, that's classed as. I say, yeah, I said I wouldn't go off, and I certainly have already because it's a personal story I'm telling, I suppose. Um, but what will happen now with driving tests, as soon as the uh, examiner feels that the driver has made a, an error that would fail them, however well they did for the rest of the test, the examiner would ask them to pull into the side and say, um, explain what they'd done wrong, explain that no matter how well the rest of the test went, they would fail, and then to keep the contact time of the two people in the car to the minimum, they would drive back to the examination centre. So that was, that was a brief one, wasn't it? and that wasn't on the side, of course, that was me relaying a little personal story. Um. Uh, these tests will restart in Wales on the 17th of August, but no date has been set for Scotland and Northern Ireland. As I mentioned before, um, the different parts, the devolved parts of the UK implement things at slightly different uh, tests. And one last thing on testing, um, uh, to show you the pressure, 210,000 tests were cancelled due to the pandemic. So there is a real backlog. And um, on the same sort of thing, um, people applying for British uh, passports, there are four, a backlog of 400,000 people waiting for a new passport. Of course, uh, the UK is destined to leave the European Union at the end of uh, this year on the 31st of December. And supposedly, with or without an agreement, and that agreement does not seem to be forthcoming. There's some news here about um, still some work to be done on the Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland and the island of Ireland uh, to work out why, how we can get around having border controls there. So that was some of the things that I was 
going to spend basically the whole thing. Basically, this episode was going to be talking about the things that have had to fall by the wayside um, whilst the pandemic has been dealt with. And just before we go into the, um, the site itself, let me just play in that short clip again. Thank you. This is Never Isolated podcast here on Talk Show, And please remember, we have a Twitter account, Never Isolated, all one word. Show ID is 7910667. And the reason I did that was so I could take a sip of my tea. And also because, would you believe it, of course, the live links I'm going to had updated in that minute. I'm doing this um, late morning um, on the Thursday it's now 11.44 and it's just updated 11.42. Um, so let me just read the URL out first of all. If you don't catch it the first time, just scroll back the audio 15 seconds to catch it. bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash live forward slash world dash 53509270. Okay, um, uh, it mentions the global numbers. Uh, President Trump says he wants school to reopen and would be comfortable sending his young son in. I would have thought he had a private tutor himself, but there you go. Brazil registers more than 67,000 new cases in 24 hours, another record number. The cost of the pandemic has pushed Australia into its biggest budget deficit, deficit since World War II. A committee of UK MPs is astonished by the government's failure to plan an economic response for the pandemic. That's the one I'm going to kick, well, not kick off from, but going to take uh, on from. Um, and uh, some thought has been suggested about a basic income would allow, listen to this number, 2.7 billion. That's a third of the world. I think it's something like 7.3 billion, is it? Or 7.7 billion. 2.7 billion people to stay at home, a UN development program report says. Now, well, the just position of those two things, that giving a basic income, income to 2.2 billion, and yet the government, you know, they're worried about the government is spending too much money. Uh, they don't align really very well, and it's a, 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 a was it trying to square the circle? But let me just uh, go to a couple of brief headlines. And um, by the way, very nice news. Um, we've got three. Um, probes going off to Mars in in a very short window of about two weeks. One's already gone off, but uh, China's I, I, Tianwen, is it? T-I-A-N-W-N dash one, Mars rover rockets away from Earth. That was updated early this morning. China has launched its first rover mission to Mars. The six-wheel rover encapsulated in a protective probe has lifted off Earth by a Long March 5 rocket from the uh, Wenchang spaceport. Um, um, and that was at 4.40 GMT time. 
It should arrive about the orbit of the red planet in February, but then we'll spend a couple of months uh, before it goes down to land. And there will be an orbiting part that will also be uh, taking readings. It's one of three missions setting off to Mars in the space of 11 days. On Monday, the Arab United Arab Emirate, the UAE, launched its HOPE satellite towards the red planet. And in a week from now, the US space agency, NASA, aims to dispatch the next generation rover, Perseverance. So normally these would, these would be the headline news. Wonderful. I'm very interested in things like this. And I am absolutely delighted that these events are going ahead. Although I've yet heard again that the James Webb telescope is being delayed yet again. Um, Again, I'm not too sure of this further reason, but um, that, that's been very much delayed from its original launch date. Um, on the um, BBC Codeal UK page, um, again, we'll just, I want to try and get this so to have the little uh, opinion piece, as it were, at the end. But um, um, this is... Um, bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash UK dash 53510147. Coronavirus. P PM talks up virus response in Scotland and M uh, PMs criticise pandemic planning. So there's a, a, a sort of collection of things there. Um, and of course, uh, Boris Johnson uh, has had uh, is in the middle of a visit up in Scone, um, Scotland, and the the item below that is the one that has has prompted me to have my say, as it were, pandemic planning and astonishing failure. I do do I do do not like that's not very good English, is it? When the headline is eight clickbait. Pandemic planning and astonishing failure. Well, that's such a broad, does it mean it failed in every category? No, it's talking about the in economic impact planning, but that's too long a headline to have. So they have a short headline, but the short headline is a misleading and even more all-encompassing headline that makes it sound as though it's a condemnation across the board. <laughs> no, don't start your rant yet, David. I'm not going to be a rant. I don't. Um, okay, on the politics page, this is bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash UK dash politics dash five three eight four four nine nine eight. That's the one where it has the fuller title UK pandemic planning astonishing failures. I'm going to leave that to last and I'm just going to see if there's anything else I should touch on. Yes, and um, we may talk about this tomorrow, um, so I won't read anything else, but uh, ministers urged to end face covering confusion. Of course, from tomorrow, the 24th of July in England, it's compulsory to wear face masks in confined indoor spaces, uh, shops and salons and so on, hairdressers and what have you. We will perhaps go to that story tomorrow unless there is other breaking news and we're going to go um yes there's even some gasp doubts being cast on the fact that, that there's been progress on vaccine uh, testing and trials 
there's a headline here, might coronavirus vaccine have side effects? Well, of course it might. That's why they're doing the testing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do it, David. Don't do it. Keep keep on TARDIS as it were. Okay, well, uh, with apologies, I'm going to play in my third clip so I can have a little sip of drink before I uh, move on for the last maybe 10 minutes. Give us, I'll try and curtail myself after 10 minutes. Why uh, I've put this title, Has the Blame Game Started? So, with a great apologies, let me play this little clip just so I can sip this little cup of tea. This is Never Isolated podcast here on TalkShoe. And please remember, we have a Twitter account, Never Isolated, all one word. Show ID is 7910667. Okay, thank you and apologies for playing that in a third time. This is one of the slight constraints of doing something on your own. But uh, I know that I, I can digress far too many times with just me in the room if we had uh, two or three other people allowed to speak if they would deign of course to come into the live show then um and i may have put the odd person in who's, who's dropped by in the past and then noticed that they would not be unmuted so again apologies to those if they return back to listen so let me just read a little bit and i will read the actual page which goes into some depth and at least has the fuller title of the thing that caught my attention, Coronavirus, UK's Pandemic Planning and Astonishing Failure, failure say, MPs. Um, and it is bbc.co.uk forward slash news forward slash UK forward slash politics dash Five three four eight four nine nine eight, and I, again I've double checked and put that link into the room. So briefly, the government failures to plan for an economic impact of a pandemic is astonishing. A committee of MPs says the Commons Public Accounts Committee said the economic reaction to COVID nineteen was rushed and the impact would be long term. It added the Treasury waited till mid-March before deciding on economic support schemes it would put in place. But the government said it regularly tested its pandemic plans, which enabled a rapid response. Last month, official figures showed that the BBC economy shrank more than the first thought between January and March, contracting 2.2% in the joint largest fall since 1979. Now, there's a lot more on that page. I'm not going to read any more from that page. But to me, those seem to be contradictions. Now, you could argue that COBRA perhaps should have had in place a better contingency plan for this pandemic in an economic sense. I think the medical planning, and remember, one of the reasons for the uh, long-term message given out in the UK, in England was, you know, stay, you know, stay safe, um, uh, you know, keep your distance, that two meter distance, save the NSS. The whole point was to flatten the curve. They knew there was no way of uh, 
stopping the pandemic in its tracks. Um, and if you did, you can't do it indefinitely because we can't live in isolation, you know, ad infinitum. That would uh, basically throw us back 50 years in economic development in the long term. That's just there's all all the things I'm saying now. What I think, not not proven cases. And then you have the situation. Well, it's what do you do? Well, it's a little bit like I think trying to control a forest fire, are trying to perhaps redirect a river. So in in a forest fire, of course, what what they do is they they cut what they call um, fire breaks. So they they know which way the prevailing wind is. So they don't try and go to the head of the fire. Well, they do, but that's not the main aim. That's to slow it down. Maybe a mile, depending on the size of the area, in the UK, that would be a few hundred yards. In America, it might be five miles away because of the vast forested areas they have in Canada and so on. And even, as we found in the um, almost the um, Saharan tundra, where it's had um, in the Arctic Circle, we've had record, record temperatures and fires inside the Arctic Circle. It sounds astounding. Um, what you do is you make the break far enough away so that you've got time to dig a, a an earth gap, maybe something 100 feet wide, something that the flames can't leap over, something that embers can't drift over, and that becomes a halt zone. And you, 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 you know, like the Maginot line in the wall, you hold that line out. That's the idea that you do. And with the river, you have a, mea- a river that's meandering. You don't block a river. You uh, build embankments to encourage it to to trail away. Or uh, further down the river, where there's like an oxbow area, you cut because uh, it may be a river that's changed its course a few times. You cut through the oxbow and open an old channel, and then redirect the water through there so it doesn't reach a floodplain that it was reaching before so you try and manage it and that is exactly what i think the uh, uk government tried to do flatten the curve so that at no time and you must admit although the uk figures are pretty horrendous we're about the fourth most affected country in the world so it's by no means a success but they did protect the nhs you could argue that the NHS and care workers weren't sufficiently protected. The amount of PPE equipment used was obviously underrated. We also had a, a consignment of something like three or a billion. Well, it was, it was either one billion or three billion items that, that turned out to be not fit for purpose. They were probably low level okay, but they weren't sufficient for the front line. So we had that. We had the unfortunate thing that there wasn't a test available. So people that were in hospital, not with COVID, or they hadn't gone in for COVID, then having been returned to the community, our community homes, to try and get them out of the way of catching COVID because hospitals were seen as a hotspot in that sense. Of course, the staff were supposed to be fully covered and protective, but people in hospital for other reasons, maybe hip replacements or um, routine operations or whatever. This is before the pandemic um, 
hit with severity, they were returned, but there was no test to be done on them to see if they were harboring the illness. And of course, that resulted in the horrific uh, over 20,000 deaths of people in uh, care homes, it is believed, um, as they perhaps introduced that back to the home that they were uh, returned to. So those mistakes have been learned to. The government took the best health advice that it was given. The health advice um, was forthcoming, but then again, there were failures. We didn't have sufficient supplies on board. Of course, because it was a world pandemic, other countries also were fighting for this PPE equipment, uh, PPE equipment, uh, and therefore there was a world shortage. Um, some countries were stockpiling it. Some countries perhaps had better contingency plans in terms of warehousing things of that nature. And of course, there was um, you know, uh, almost a perfect storm of those things. But at least, not like other countries, we never had the uh, hospitals overwhelmed. We had the Nightingale Hospital set up, not in the sort of 10 days that Japan was building hospitals, but they thankfully were hardly ever needed. I think the London one only ever had 500, kitted out for 500 beds, although its capacity was for more like 5,000. And so there were some major successes. Now, there was also um, a bit of a perfect storm because a number of government ministers went down with COVID. Most uh, well-known, perhaps, of course, was Boris Johnson's own um, uh, very severe attack and hospitalisation. We also had um, a situation where we had, because of uh, what was happening politically, we had a fairly new parliament. We had... Um, a chancellor I have um, uh, thought has done, uh, he's learnt on his feet and he's had to learn on his feet, was only in the role two, three weeks before the pandemic hit. He's had to juggle between people saying, we need action, we need action now. These people can't wait four weeks while you, you, you fine tune and make sure that People can't uh, dodge the money or uh, take advantage of generous, uh, um, you know, loans or genuine uh, uh, things that will help them with their mortgage or, or to get through furlough schemes. We've got to get these out. If you examine them so much that they are watertight, they'll come too late. And then we've had people saying that the money that's been spent, remember in the previous financial year, the, uh, the government budget overspend was something likely to be 53 billion. Um, in the first three months of this year, it's been 190 odd billion and likely to be over 300, could be 350 billion by the end of the financial year. The balance, of course, is trying to get uh, the I mean, the, the government know these are fantastically large figures, but the worry is, of course, these jobs won't be here if they aren't in some ways undersured by this money. Um, the uh, the 
mortgage holiday. That wasn't really a cost to the government. That was um, the um, the mortgage companies uh, giving uh, people those um, three months days without apparently affecting their um, credit rating. However, even that has been slightly confusing because some people have taken a second three months and that probably has affected their uh, rating. And also, even though it may not um, affect their rating in an absolute terms, if they've applied for loans for other matters and they, they have to answer a question, are you being furloughed on your mortgage? Well, it doesn't take a genius to realise that if you tick that box, then that's going to be seen as, well, they're not exactly coping with the debt they have. Um, so it's bound to, in a, in a non-statistical way, uh, um, impact on the likelihood of that loan going through. And better, to be fair, whether it would be wise for them to take it out. So the... There are all sorts of things. Um, the Prime Minister, uh, sorry, the Chancellor has said that, um, you know, there is no way to get these systems out without knowing that there is a possibility for people to um, abuse them. For instance, there were firms that were getting the 80% money to furlough people. And of course, unfortunately for that, there had to be this hard line cut off at the 1st of April. There was no way to to give them that, but on trust that when the that was phasing out, they would keep them in employment and not then sack them at that point or make them, um, you know, um, uh, surplus to needs. And to that end, the Chancellor had to give a promise of a further £1,000 to each employee they took back after the furlough period would end. And of course, that furlough amount from 80% was seen by some as being too generous. There were aspects of society that said, well, 80% of your wage for staying at home doing nothing, even if your employer doesn't make up the other 20%, you know, when you take the tax reduction on that, your your perhaps transport costs, um, you know, if you're paying rail fares and what have you, you may only actually be 5% worse off, not uh, sorry, 10% worse off, not 20% worse off. Um, so, you know, these decisions had to be made. They were very broad, blunt weapons and therefore could not be seen to be absolutely targeted in that case. Oh, good heavens, look at that time. I said only talk for 10 minutes. So what I'm trying to say is, um, or in one case is when this um, spokesman for these this group of MPs, um, um, which I mentioned, the Commons Public Accounts Committee, they even paraphrased their remarks with, in hindsight, well, of course, in hindsight, you can say, well, that didn't work and that did work, so they should have done more of that and they should have done less of that. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, however, um, the, with a number of um, unfortunate things like, uh, uh, you know, bringing in supplies by airplane of this PPE, the, 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 the difficulty, remember, this is a brand new illness in sense of time. I mean, we're still looking for cures for diseases that have been with us for generations. And even the ordinary 
winter winter flu, which remember is not the same flu every year, and therefore each year a new um, um, flu vaccine has to be put together, with which seems to be the most prevalent strain, which seems to be the most virulent strain, and it sort of can have anywhere between 40 to 85 percent protection. Certainly in one year, about four years ago, it wasn't that successful. Um, but in other years, it's been highly successful, meaning that many people in the UK over 65 get that um, offered that um, um, injection for free in the you know autumn and winter months. I do hope that they bring the winter flu injection forward but of course i hope then also like this confusion over masks the confusion over distances people don't think that's going to give them protection from coronavirus covid19 on top of protecting them from their normal lightly winter flu uh, flu issue i must stop there because i don't want you to switch off um i think i made my point the blame game is for the future. The analysis, I think, is for the future. I think it's too soon. I hope the government is reviewing and reviewing and re-examining and re-emphasizing and de-emphasizing its plans going forward. And with that, we'll end for today. Hopefully be back for tomorrow, uh, Friday, the 24th of July. Remember, that day in England, you have to wear masks inside enclosed places, particularly shops and even takeaways when you're waiting for your stuff. OK, let's uh, let myself play us out. Thank you for listening to Never Isolated, show ID 791-0667, hosted here on Torture. Bye for now.